We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You knew the risks when you decided to drive drunk. There could be a crash. People could get hurt or killed. But that didn't stop you, did it? You knew you could get arrested. You could incur huge legal expenses, and you could possibly even lose your job. You were well aware of the consequences of driving drunk. But one thing's for sure. You were wrong when you said it was no big deal. Drive sober or get pulled over. This message brought to you by NHTSA. KJ Podcast, my favorite time of the week. My people are gathered on their phones. We're going to talk NFL, San Francisco 49ers, maybe a little bit of Warriors-Cavs. Covered two of those series in my sports reporting career. Saw LeBron win a title in 2016. Kevin Durant last year was the best player on the floor. I appreciate the greatness in the NBA. It's completely different than the unpredictability of the NFL. It's a completely different high. The Twitter experience is different, more jokey, more meme more Ryan Colangelo burner accounts. But I appreciate the NBA. I'm going to enjoy the finals, Cavs, Warriors 4. The Family Matters video, whoever edited that together, incredible content. I literally have watched that video five to six times. Shout out to the Bay Bridge in the first frame of that video. KJ Podcast, what we're going to do today is separate what matters in OTAs for the 49ers and what doesn't. There's headlines coming out, practice analysis, storylines are going to start to bubble. What is just fodder in May, June, and July, and what will actually matter in September and October? That's what we do on the KJ Podcast, predictive analysis. We take the news of today... And we forecast how it's going to play out for this football team. Definitely want to get into Des Bryant. 
definitely want to get into Solomon Thomas, his sister Ella. I've been one of his harshest critics and I am way more sympathetic knowing what he's going through. Real life matters a lot more than our opinions on football here. So we'll go there and just some other NFL news and notes to gloss over. Thursday edition KJ podcast. NFL is 98 days away. The offseason, we got training camp less than two months away. We got June 1st is when some of you are going to be listening to this on a Friday. We're getting close. The headlines are coming in. People are getting to watch practice. Let's start with Jimmy Garoppolo apparently just working the defense yesterday. Not concerned at all about the defense. Brian Hoyer did the same thing last year. OTAs is set up for the passing game to start working efficiently. It's hard to be making plays all the time defensively. It's it's really like you're out there playing seven-on-seven football without real pass rush and things like that. The quarterback's sitting in the pocket. It's a simulated practice, really. And that's the huge thing about OTAs is Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are going to figure out who is good on the practice field and how does it translate They guessed wrong on Brian Hoyer last year, partly because they bought into him in practice. So if there's a tweak that this regime needs to make year two, it's that practice isn't everything. You want to practice really well, and Mike Shanahan was known for that in Denver. Doesn't want the football to hit the ground. Let's be quick. Let's get in and out. Let's get our work done. Let's have every minute scripted. Kyle comes is cut from that cloth of practice to see Jimmy Garoppolo work the defense I'm not concerned that Jimmy Ward got picked on by Jimmy Garoppolo. I still think that he's your serviceable backup guy. There's nothing to worry about there. Reuben Foster, they're easing him in. Not going to throw him straight out into team drills. I like that. He might be a little behind in the classroom too. There's definitely new things that have been installed in the defense. And Reuben Foster has missed some meetings. He's talented enough to go make plays on the field. But the 49ers want him to be in the system, kind of earn his way back too because of the marijuana arrest. He put himself in a bad situation. We're moving on from the domestic violence issue with him. But yeah, I think Ray Wright and him are going to be best friends up until minicamp. I think we'll see Ruben get some first team reps before training camp, but it might be a couple weeks here as the 49ers aren't, aren't just going to give him his spot back. He's year two. He's had the off the field issues here. Pretty much every other player has stayed clean in the offseason. There was no negative headlines besides Ruben Foster. It's out of his control that his girl did all that and and lied. And and that's a relationship, though, he has to evaluate who's in his life. He's getting better at things. Ruben Foster. um, And then also Brock Coyle. They're easing him back in. That linebacker spot. Could go a bunch of different directions. Looks like Michael Kendricks is not going to be coming to the 49ers. He's visiting with the Browns, a couple other teams. Fred Warner could start. Malcolm Smith could start. Ruben Foster could be suspended all of September. The NFL has been kind of slow with that ruling here. They normally drop a couple suspensions at a time at this point in the offseason. So maybe they're waiting out a few other cases too. A storyline I'm not really buying into at all is the body transformations. 49ers have asked Joshua Garnett. Now that one does matter, but Eric Armstead fluctuating his weight. He wants to play at a bigger weight now. 
I don't think he's that different of a player at 270 and 290. He's a 6'8 guy. He's known more for his height. And good for him adding extra weight. He thinks it's going to help in the run game. I guess he's trying to be... I just don't think it matters. And same with Peta. Peta T, the six-round pick last year, the edge rusher. He's up a couple pounds. I mean, good. He was kind of a twig. I'm not sure if that's going to matter for him to even get reps. I'd be surprised if Peta T plays much this year. Taking pass rushers in the sixth round, it's I don't want to call it a wasted pick, but you rarely see them pan out. Where are they going to get him the correct snaps? They believe so much in Cassius Marsh. We'll get to his comments, too. I'm seeing George Kittle definitely looks stronger. Solomon Thomas, Grant Cohn is reporting he's lost 20 pounds. No one else is reporting that. It's hard to get confirmation here. Again, I don't I don't think these are drastic storylines that's going to make a player automatically better. Kudos to the player for putting in effort and work and, and talking about it publicly, but I really don't see that impacting win totals here. Any 49er body transformation. The, the only body transformation that matters is Richard Sherman's Achilles. That's really going to hinge three, four, five wins if he does or doesn't play. This team could go 6-10 and ten without Richard Sherman if Jimmy Ward is getting picked on by other good quarterbacks. If Akella Weatherspoon doesn't take a big jump year two and Tavarius Moore. Richard Sherman, we're banking on him. He's a cocky, confident player. He's saying he's going to be ready. The 49ers doctors, I don't want to call them lenient, but they were the only one to take Reuben Foster, who a lot of teams had medical red flags. They've taken Contavious Street here. They have taken some injury risk before. Really, that's the only body injury situation to really monitor right now. I mentioned Brock Coyle's recovering. This is a pretty healthy football team entering training camp. Besides Richard Sherman, you're feeling good about that. Kendrick Bourne had a bunch of big plays yesterday. I guess a 40-yarder with Jimmy Garoppolo. I guess we can just throw the Des Bryant thing in now, too. Here's my philosophy on signing a 30-year-old receiver who's going to want the football. I don't want that impacting young players. If the 49ers didn't have Kendrick Bourne, Richie James, Trent Taylor, Dante Pettis, they have young guys they need to develop. And all of a sudden, you bring in Des Bryant. Kendrick Bourne might be either on the practice squad or he's not going to be active really at all. Once you start having injuries and need other players and need O-linemen up, you're not going to be able to have that luxury sixth wide receiver. Bourne looked great. Remember that big play against Jacksonville with Jimmy Garoppolo? I want to develop younger players than I do taking a chance on Des Bryant. Des Bryant likes when he's getting the ball 70 times. If Des Bryant catches... 40 balls in this offense? Is he going to be happy? Is he going to be in meeting rooms really buying into what Kyle and John Lynch are doing? Or is he going to speak out because he knows there's not that many veterans? Is he going to step on Pierre Garçon's toes? Pierre's a leader. Pierre says what's on his mind. He's real as fuck. And the guys love him as their leader. And he's proven he's way less touchdowns in his career than Des Bryant. Listen, Dez wants to come here. A lot of people do want to come here. I don't know if he... He might have had a discussion with Kyle and John Lynch. And he's thinking it's a possibility if someone gets hurt that they do sign him. If Marquise Goodwin went down and Dante Pettis wasn't ready and Dez Bryant's still on the market, you call him. Maybe they're planting some seeds like that. Hey, 
keep us in mind, even if it's week three, week four, we have an injury here. Des Bryant's still out there. I think some team is going to get desperate and have a wide receiver tear an ACL and Des will get scooped up. But bringing him into the fold right now, we still haven't even seen Pierre Garçon with Jimmy Garoppolo. We've, we've hammered this point home. People get enamored with names. They get enamored with highlights from 2015. Des Bryant, I get it, was a top 20 receiver by PFF. He was underrated. I just think him paired with Pierre Garçon is a little slower than you want. You need someone to take the top off the defense and Kyle Shanahan's play action. If you have two possession guys on the outside, I don't think it I think it closes off some avenues for Kyle Shanahan to get creative. So I, I just don't like the move now. Not to say Dez is washed up, but I think he's closer to washed up than explosive. And if that prevents Kendrick Bourne from one day being your number two. Kendrick Bourne gets 30 catches this year. That's good for his development. It's going to be slower for him. But, I mean, Pierre Garçon is not lasting five more years. You have to start having a contingency plan. And I like the development of young players going on at wide receiver right now. Des Bryant would stunt that. It's good to see Kendrick Bourne making plays in OTAs. If a guy is a quiet OTAs, then I'm you know kind of like, okay, where is he? If a guy dominates OTAs, I, I think that's expected at wide receiver Running back, my boy John Middlecoff saying Matt Breida has been standing out. He is a standout guy, the way his running style. It's He's kind of flailing his legs a little bit. I mean, he's in control. Matt Breida's a fun player to watch. You're not going to learn anything about O-line or D-line in OTAs. They're barely going at it. If someone says... Salman Thomas dominated a pass rushing situation or got into the backfield. There's so little contact. They're not wearing pads. The goal isn't to you know be physical with your teammate like that. So I don't buy into any pass rushing or O-line. Or This guy was on the first team O-line, second team. They're looking at their burst. It's not the whole thing. You're really in OTAs looking, is Jimmy Garoppolo accurate and knows what he's doing with the football? And are we getting a couple turnovers here and there on C.J. Beathard, on Nick Mullins? You want your backup D-linemen, even your starters. So Sheldon Day had an interception. You like the defense to make some plays from time to time and the quarterback to know what he's doing. So 49ers are in a good spot in OTAs. Everyone's healthy. It is kind of interesting to note, Matt Barrows has said it, a couple people have said it, Jimmy Garoppolo's deep ball has not looked good. In OTAs, that's something they need to work on. Something Hoyer dominated on in practice and it ended up not mattering. But there needs to be a little bit of rapport there. He had the one with Carlos Hyde we always mention against the Texans that Carlos dropped. But he he wasn't delivering bread basket throws 40, 50 yards down the field. We also have Bleacher Report and some projections coming out with 15, 16, 17 interceptions. He did have, what, five in five games. So if there's two areas this year that I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be a, a B plus on, a B, a B minus, maybe even a C plus, it could be the deep ball and it could be some interceptions just because there's some tape on him now. Teams were adjusting on the fly last season. Defensive coordinators, Wade Phillips is watching Jimmy Garoppolo. Lock Angeles as they're putting on Twitter and our buddy... Rob Loader putting Jimmy Garoppolo with the key. He's going to unlock him. I guarantee Wade Phillips, the Seahawks, are obviously studying Jimmy Garoppolo. 
Cardinals aren't going to be a threat for quite a while, but their defense was actually top 10 last year, so you're going to have to bring your A game offensively to definitely beat them. Um, I'm not, This isn't me panicking about Jimmy Garoppolo. It's just bringing up scenarios where he's not perfect because this team's not going 16-0. He's going to miss on a couple throws in a couple games. Aaron Rodgers said his second year was his hardest year. He came into the league on fire, and then the tape was out there on him. They gave him a bunch of different looks, and it happens. A lot of quarterbacks, year two, Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't even had a full year yet is the crazy thing. He did have that shoulder in New England. He just doesn't have hits on his body either. This is a quarterback who's 26, but effectively the wear and tear on his body... I mean, quarterbacks can absorb hits, and you, you can be unathletic later in your career and still be really good. He doesn't have the experience you need to win a Super Bowl, but he, he doesn't have the wear and tear and the mental grind. Like He is ready to learn this playbook. He's ready to be the leader of this team. He's been waiting for his moment. I like that eagerness about Jimmy Garoppolo, but it's cool, it's calm, it's collected. He really knows how to handle himself. He's not a rah-rah guy. He's a constant communicator, short sentences, one-liners to a lot of people, gets to know everyone. His smile is so inviting, and he flashes it at the right moment. This guy is setting the tone in the building. He knows every eyeball is on him. I would love to see him in the offensive meeting room where the whole offense is together. And if Kyle's putting him on the board, please, 49ers, when you do your hard knocks little thing behind the scenes... Give us a little bit more this year. Give us Jimmy Garoppolo in the meeting room. We saw him mic'd up against the Titans NFL films that last drive. Um, he handles the end of a game really well. I want to know a classroom because I do think that's a component where you ha- you win a Super Bowl if your quarterback is gifted in the classroom. They wouldn't have traded for him if Kyle had interviewed him at the Combine and got to know him there and didn't think he was a bright quarterback. So it's it's obvious he is, but I just want to know like how Jimmy G communicates. We don't talk Jimmy G enough on this podcast. We will when he starts making more plays and we can analyze more film in a true season. Remember last year when there was people saying he shouldn't play? The O-line is so bad. He's going to get sacked and hurt and we're not going to have him for 2018. Remember that was an actual storyline that a lot of people were tweeting and writing about. Dear Lord, can you imagine if we didn't have this 5-0 sample size? The whole energy about the 49ers changed because Jimmy Garoppolo got to have a mini camp, a training camp in December. The season didn't matter, and he definitely hurt their draft pick. Who knows who the Niners would have taken if they were in the top three. I would have pushed Saquon, but probably Bradley, I don't know. Excuse that. It would have definitely been Bradley Chubb. If Jimmy Garoppolo only played a little bit, and they said, let's ride out C.J. Beathard, and then Beathard won a couple games, and you had the annoying trolls on Twitter actually saying, ho, 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 why are we getting rid of Beathard? He was actually improving at the end of the year. He knows the system. 49ers handled it perfectly. They made the trade. They sat him out a couple weeks so he could learn. Kyle's play calls are just that ridiculous. They weren't going to simplify the playbook and stunt others' growth in the offense. You want George Kittle to know, fly, wheel, 19, 17, right. 
all the 19-worded plays Kyle comes up with. Once you learn Kyle's offense, and the special thing about it that Joe Staley told us last year, everyone has to know what everyone's doing. The offensive line, the way they block, a wide receiver has to read that and run his route that way, and there's verbiage in that play call that communicates play-action fakes and things to the 10th degree where it looks hard on film to pick up Kyle's offense. It's a special offense. It's fun to talk about. The 49ers, when I did this podcast to start the year and they started 0-5, it wasn't fun. We were rehashing the same story every week. Hoyer wasn't making throws. The defense was making some plays, but they just the secondary was awful. They couldn't stop anyone. They've addressed problems fairly damn quick, guys. We've been so praiseworthy of them. And they know it too. If if John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan go six and ten this year, there's gonna be some people who turn a little bit. I still believe in both of those guys, and they were the right hires. But Jimmy Garoppolo and the way they finished the season, and everyone knowing Kyle is as smart as he is, Richard Sherman, DeForest Buckner, Reuben Foster, they're pieces on this team where. The 49ers are expected to be competitive every week. If they're not, they're going to be deemed a big disappointment. Peter Schrager, good good morning football. That's a show that's really hyping them up, a show that's popular, that's opinionated. They let those analysts really say what they feel. Um, and me too. I'm hyping this team up. Mayoko, Nick Wagner, pretty much everyone is predicting them to go at least 9-7. and seven. Dave Fuchs, my boy, Niners Nation, I think, believe predicted 10-6 and six or 9-7 and seven as well. Bottom line from this podcast, we have no idea from OTAs. You can't say, oh, Jimmy G looks so good, we're going to be even better. The pass rush looks good. Nothing here matters. Reporters are allowed to report on it because the NFL was smart and decided we can have coverage in May and June. People will be interested if reporters go once a week. It's required to open an OTA practice. I think they all should be open. I think a lot more practice should be open during the regular season too. People are that obsessed with this sport. Give reporters more access. Let this be like the NBA. Let us post more highlights. What you do in practice is not that huge of a giveaway. 11 on 11s? I get it. Reporters can't post... Everything. They can't, there's no videoing and describing of certain plays in 11 on 11s, but it would provide a lot more context once a week if reporters could go in and look at that. I don't know if the league or the players' union before or against that, like who would fight what side, but more access, more media coverage, more social coverage, the better. Hopefully the NFL learns. This CBA coming up is going to be bad. There is a bad divorce coming. And Roger Goodell, I don't know if it's going to be D. Smith. I don't know who's going to be in charge of the players at that time. It expires in 2021. Remember, there was the 2011 lockout. There was the 1987 strike. These things happen. The owners and the players can go off a page and not be on the same page together. And I would expect people like Chris Long, Torrey Smith, Michael Bennett, I expect there to be a lot of outspoken critics. Twitter was not what it was in 2011. Players have a lot stronger voices. I think fans are becoming way less sympathetic to franchises. 
and they're rooting for individual players a lot more and the public needle is going to shift for the players to steal some power away from the owners and I think it's going to get ugly because I don't think those billionaires can give up any power at all and I think they're going to really ask for more they're going to ask for more power from the players when it should be the complete opposite I I would predict right now a strike in 2021 and I could see six, seven, eight games being canceled and the players are legit saying, we don't have enough power. Go try and start a new league without us. We are NFL players. People are here for us. Jerry Jones has done a great job with media and getting the league in more places and making the stadiums better. But at a certain point, the players are going to want more power. And I see it coming. I see it coming in 2021. Millennials get made fun of, but they're, I think they're smarter than baby boomers. I think they're more, the, the world is shifting more in their direction and people have more of a worldview related to a 30-year-old black NFL player than a 70-year-old billionaire NFL owner. I think fans are going to be leaning towards the players at that point. Um, KJ Podcast went deep on Jimmy G what to care about from OTAs, NFL, CBA. I think one player to monitor alongside Jimmy Garoppolo this year is Andrew Luck. Contracts are pretty similar. Jimmy G's is above his just because it had been a couple years since Luck had signed his. Um, I think they're very similar with their skill sets. Luck has been hurt before. There'll be pressure on him as well. I think that's a good measuring stick. You want Jimmy Garoppolo to be as good as Andrew Luck was in one of those seasons where he took the Colts to the AFC Championship game. If Jimmy Garoppolo is playing like that and Richard Sherman is healthy, you're going to the playoffs. Ruben Foster plays 10 games and completely clogs up the middle. No one can run against his team. Fred Warner has three or four interceptions. There's scenarios where this team is very damn good. I got to say this is the most excited 49ers fans have been for a season since 2013, probably. Maybe even 2014, there were still some believers. But to be down for three or four years, it sucks in the NFL. Imagine being down permanently in the NBA. Imagine being a Washington Wizards fan like I am. And never going to the Eastern Conference Finals. It sucks. In the NFL, you can change your fortune. You can hire a good coach and GM. The salary cap makes it realistic that you can turn things around and sign the right free agents. There's more players. There's 53 guys to build your team, not 15 in basketball. One mistake isn't as critical. You fuck up a top 10 pick in the NBA, your team is screwed up for three to four years. (laughs) Warriors, Cavs. I'm going Warriors in six. I love covering that. I mean, that was probably one of my highest moments as a sports reporter, even though I'm not the biggest NBA guy. I've clearly cultivated an NFL audience. Being at all seven games in 2016, um, wow. I love LeBron. I love Steph Curry. I love Draymond. I love Kevin Durant. I'm in a weird spot because I lived in Cleveland too. I'm a Wizards fan, so I like... Grew up not really liking the Cavs, but knowing LeBron's impact on Cleveland, he literally starts new neighborhoods when he moved back there. The East Bank 
was not going to happen if LeBron didn't move back there. He's more important than any politician in that town. It's just, you can't not root for LeBron if you've lived in Cleveland. He's literally just a great human being. And he's, in my opinion, going to be by far the best player on the court, which is why I'll give him two games. I think they'll win game three in Cleveland and game five in Oakland, and then the Warriors will close it out in Cleveland game six. Part four, Warriors-Cavs. Gotta say, the NBA regular season does not matter. The NFL regular season does. It's why this podcast is heavily focused and concentrated. How do we make this 49ers football team better? Let's put certain positions under the microscope, predictive analysis. I wanted to mention Solomon Thomas. I have way more respect for what he's fighting through. Rest in peace, Ella, his sister. He's going down to Dallas to march in her honor. He's not hiding behind a tragedy. It would be so understandable if Solomon Thomas did not speak about such a a loss. His best friend growing up, his older sister. Depression is real. He's bringing awareness to it. I'm one of his harshest critics. I am not going to blast Solomon Thomas as much. If he's not the best football player ever at pick number three, life goes on. The world goes on. It's not that serious. I I, I don't, yeah, I mean, it's getting real here. I, I don't want to blast some guy who's really doing good for the world and bringing awareness to a cause and, and choosing to remember his sister and not make it tough on himself. I mean, he, I, I can't even imagine. I'm best friends with my sister, Steph. So I'm I'm seriously thinking of Solomon Thomas, and if he doesn't have eight sacks this year, that's fine, man. Like, and I, I am going to criticize other players, and I'm sure I'll criticize him again. But reading those transcripts from his interviews with the reporters yesterday, it's really, um, it's really something what he's doing. John Lynch, Jed York went to the funeral. Robbie Gould, the kicker, Elvis Dumerville said the 49ers have offered a family-like atmosphere. I'm sure they're very inclusive, inviting him to do certain activities. Really tough situation that Solomon Thomas is going through. This will be a tough football season for him without his sister. And, you know, it, it could be a slow burn. This guy could be a good football player this season. Could take him another year, too. we got to think about this. A lot of people are going through stuff. Um, getting emotional on the KJ podcast. Solomon Thomas, though. Rooting for him. Really rooting for a good person here. And thoughts going out to him. We are kind of long now. Thursdays are going to be kind of the off-season day, I've decided. Unless something crazy happens, we'll see what happens during an OTA. We'll react to the news. Predictive analysis. KJ Podcast. We're out. Uh. 
to the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family has big plans for Labor Day weekend, but our outfits aren't measuring up. Then get to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's huge Labor Day sale is on now. Get 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, 50% off all tees, and 50% off all sweatshirts and hoodies for the whole family. 50% off all those styles? That's a big deal. So is this. Styles start at just six bucks at Old Navy and Old Navy.com. Change of plans. We're spending the weekend at Old Navy. High fashion, Old Navy. Valid 830-93. Excludes in-store clearance. Active licensed and men's package tees. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, a company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So... At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable. It's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.